Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. Stars Show. I'm Miriam Knight, and I will be introducing you to two or three of the most amazing writers you may not yet have heard about each show. I know that all of them offer intriguing information and inspiration, and they just might add some food for thought about who we really are and all we can become. My first guest today is Kartika Go. She is the author of a fascinating new book called The Multidimensional Traveler, Finding Togetherness, or How I Learned to Break the Rules of Physics and Sojourn Across Dimensions and Time. Now, Kartika pursued graduate work at Columbia University, and even during her studies, she began researching metaphysical dimensions. Her passion is now writing and lecturing on the unknown and the mysteries of the universe. In the course of her extensive travels around the world, she has notably captured other dimensional beings and planes of existence on films and has been approached by many filmmakers. So I am very pleased to welcome Kartika. Welcome to the show. Kartika? Hi, thank you so much, Miriam, for having me on a show. Well, I'm delighted that you could join yes, us. Hi, Miriam. Hi, hi. Now, uh, your book. Hi, um, is the connection all right? Yeah, the connection is just fine. Thank you. Great. So uh, let's talk about your book. I was very taken by it. I learned a lot, and I want to try and share some of the highlights with our listeners because it's really such an extraordinary subject, and you speak about it with such authority. Uh, your book is titled The Multidimensional Traveler. So how did you become one, and are you actually implying that everyone can become one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I came, well, how I came about it, I would say it's mostly true. Um, what is term or what is coin as fate? And I feel, and I feel, and I know that people know this too, deep down within themselves, that they are indeed one as well. And that this is an innate power that is available within them if they wish to become one as well. So, how old were you when you started uh, doing this interdimensional travel? Well, I'm very, very bad with age. However, according according to it all, um, the concept of multidimensional traveler, uh, multidimensional traveling itself. When we when I speak of the multidimensional travel that starts in the first chapter, the very, very beginning, it is what I coin as conscious multidimensional traveler. As as you can see, or as you probably already know, Miriam, many people in themse within themselves are multidimensional travelers. They actually travel um, during this so-called human state of what they term as dreaming. Though some of them might have only subconscious recollections of this or even unconscious. Thus, in other words, um, 
for my own case and for that of the listeners who probably only remember snippets and then claim that they're not multidimensional travelers or who probably hardly ever, um, hardly ever um, remember any of it, it is within our true essence itself, as our true essence itself is not our physical body, that we multidimensional, tra- we multidimensional travel since we were very young. It is only when we consciously multidimensional travel that things are rather um, coined differently or what we what perhaps the definition of what you and I are currently discussing is the term as the multidimensional traveler or multidimensional traveling. Okay, so you're making the distinction of uh, intentional or conscious travel where you um, prepare yourself and you have an objective in mind. So... How did you discover that you could do that? Well, I, I first discovered it um, through um, visiting my friends in London, actually. I, it, 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 it came um, rather abruptly, or rather, um, though, though the universe would argue and say that such an experience itself is what is coined as fate. It, it was rather unexpected, um, this particular travel of mine. I was, I was very much, and I still am, um, um, a very hard worker in school whatsoever and um, I, I I was so ingrained in my previous understanding of science itself that I could not comprehend what I truly experienced um, it, it was um, a conscious out of travel that was deemed as um, rather unusual and it was so vivid and it was so real that I could not tell myself or I could even my own though my logics was going against my feelings it was the feelings that triumphed over my logic itself and told myself that indeed what I experienced was true well presumably you were able to replicate it on numerous occasions so uh, the first time you might have thought that it was your imagination but as you got to do it intentionally um, how did you actually study how to do it did you read no, books about how to do it? Not at all. Not at all. Absolutely. I agree with you, Miriam, in that sense. Um, before this actually occurred, just like everybody else's, I was one of those people who claim or who know that I've had recurrent dreams of flying or, or just snippets of dreams of flying before this particular vivid experience. I've had no previous um, exposure to this. I was one who um, consciously meditates a lot. I, I meditated a lot. Um, but I was not—I I was definitely not one who would browse in the New Age sections of book or even started seeking about our reality. I was very, very much um, ingrained in the understanding of our physical ways and physical success and physical means. To me, academic successes means everywhere, everything, and I was particularly, particularly focused on that. I did not seek for the true answers um, that are beyond the physical. Thus, it came as a surprise for me what I experienced. But indeed, such uh, though it came as a surprise to the physical mind itself, such was indeed a work of faith itself. So what were the kinds of experience that actually made you kind of cross over and believe that you had um, reached a different dimension through your conscious effort? I feel that the the feeling of a being can never be deemed as wrong. Many people ask me, how do I even differentiate if it was indeed a, um, a dream or it was indeed a conscious travel? 
can you can you and and they proceed to tell me of their stories and their dreams and they ask me can you tell me if this was a dream or it was a conscious travel well i i apologize even though my answer may not seem to satisfy them but indeed such is the truth that um the only way that you can tell is through your own feelings and sensations it is these feelings and sensations that are very very much um connected to the power of what we know is the power of intuitions that interconnects us to the universe itself that can enable us to differentiate whether what we experienced was indeed a conscious travel or mm-hmm. a dream. And only you can truly tell that, not others. Now, sometimes uh, dreams are very vivid and we tend to remember snippets of them. Do you find that when you do conscious uh, travel that you remember it more clearly afterwards? Um, yes. Um, it, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of uh, meditation effort to, to actually... Um, increase this consciousness itself to be able to have enough of it within your energetic mind and to leave some within your physical mind to be ingrained within what is termed as your memory, your conscious memory, um, in order for you to travel um, consciously around um, even around the world or even around many universes. All it has to do is, is with consciousness itself. And I coined a term um, that I used as the energetic body. Many new age researchers call it astral body, etheric body. I, I don't want to use that term anymore since it's been heavily used and some people have misused it. Thus, I coined the term that is much more uh, realistic in its aspect. I, I, I call the new term the energetic body. Now, in this energetic body that is very much connected to um, our mind, our physical brain itself, when we raise our consciousness through daily meditations, or not even daily, or even uh, having meditations often, and also feelings of positivity and love and light within our hearts and within our mind at all times, and being disciplined, it's all about be- being disciplined and maintaining this high vibrational frequency, that consciousness can be increased. And when consciousness is increased in the so-called dream state, what actually occurs is that more amount or more amount of consciousness is being transferred to your energetic body. And thus, this enables you to basically travel to um, many pl- in places that you actually intend to travel to, and at the same time, um, transfer some of this information back to um, your physical brain itself for you, when, for you when you're actually back in your physical body to know what actually just occurred. Mm-hmm. And it's all about this understanding and this concept of consciousness. It's all about raising one's vibrational frequency. It's all about feeling the positivity within you. So you do have some exercises in your book. You recommend uh, kind of an energetic um, focus to bring in light to your body. Uh, Do you believe that that sort of physically charges the energetic body to make it, to prepare it for this kind of travel? Oh, absolutely, Miriam. I feel that um, our true essence, that of vibrations, that of energy, is very, very much interrelated to our thoughts, our mind. Thus, what the the old sayings by the old sages say, what you think, you attract, that is very much indeed true. And though unseen to us by our physical sensations and even our physical perceptions of what we deem as reality, because what we deem as reality is what we can see and what we can feel within this physical aspects itself. 
But when it comes to energies, it is felt through the mind. It is felt and it is emitted through the mind itself and felt within the heart. Though we cannot see energies with our physical eyes, it is very much felt within the heart. So you're really telling us to become sensitive. To what we're feeling. Well, um, we're going to have to take a little break, but we will be right back with Kartika Go, and we'll be discussing the multidimensional traveler. Free your mind, expand your soul. Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Imagine receiving healing, vibration-raising energy as you listen to the radio. Energy that flows effortlessly to you. Imagine exploring all things metaphysical, sharing in an ongoing adventure. Join me, Karen Smoot, along with my co-hosts, Lisa Victorson and Wendy Weber, for Immersion into Source, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on OM Radio. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of OM Times Media one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. As difficult as it is to believe, there are places in Africa where human traffickers sell albino children and their body parts for use in magic rituals. Humanity Healing International is actively working in Uganda to change this paradigm. The Albino Rescue Project finds albino children who are at risk and places them in safe schools and environments where they can learn and grow free from fear. To learn more or to sponsor a child, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Eros Evolution is where sexuality and spirituality meets. Join me, clinical sexologist Martha Tara Lee, on Eros Evolution on Thursdays, 4 p.m. Eastern on Om Times Radio. Connecting you with the best of the conscious minds in the world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. And we are back with Kartika Go and talking about multidimensional traveling. Kartika, in your years of experiencing this, and, and it's brought you also to uh, photograph these energies, which might be sort of better proof for some of the more left-brained among us, um, what do you think is the uh, benefit that you received, and why is it important for more of us to develop these skills? Well, um, in terms of the um, taking, um, the, um, basically having um, sh showing these energetic existences through films or even to photographs, of course, the, the greatest benefit of it is to uh, to be utilized or to be used as evidence for people who who otherwise um, question what they cannot see um, within their physical themselves. Nevertheless, though, throughout the years, I have found that. Though, though I used to think it as evidence within the physical, I find I find that it it was um, incorrect of me to think of it in such ways, because with these understandings and with these knowledge, um, people of the right kind of the right vibrations will come through. Nevertheless, such is the ways of faith. Additionally, I feel that um, though though 
it was what I deem as evidences within the energetic world for those people who are very much, as, as you'd coined it, logically term or scientific, very, very much um, um, left brain, as you term it, Miriam. It's, um, these people still find faults within the photograph themselves and try to find their own rational and logicalities. Thus, I feel that it was an incorrect way or even an incorrect approach for me to um, to try to uh, to get or uh, to give or even to expose right. people who are not ready yet for these. Thus, it's something that I still do for my pastime, but I don't, I don't, I, I don't put it forward because people will find every way to criticize it and to find fault with it, even though it's already there. It's sort of if the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And um, if there's cognitive dissonance, you can't really bridge that gap very easily. Certainly. So, but, but, but tell me how it has changed your, your <laughs> perception of reality. How, how did you uh, see your life change? Um, in terms of the uh, energetic tra- me energetic traveling or in terms of me capturing um, the beings on photos? No, the whole notion of the fact that we are energy beings who have the ability to move across dimensions and what did you find in the other dimensions that um, really most surprised you or most encouraged you? Oh, Everything, everything in my life has changed ever since this period. Um, I, at first, I I experience what most individuals would experience if they were in my shoes, or what perhaps some individuals have already experienced, and that is the realization that nothing, nothing in this physical, nothing you can ever achieve, nothing you can ever have, nothing you can ever gain in this physical could ever compare to the feelings and emotions and this um, wonderful surge of energy that you feel when you are out of your physical body. The realization that we're one with the universe, the realization that we're beings free to roam within this universe, it is that feeling of freedom itself that could never equate to any feelings that you could achieve, possibly achieve in this physical body itself. It's, it's that feeling of freedom and thus after experiencing such I went through an experience whereby I started realizing of the connections between um, one's vibrational frequency and also one's mind and one's feelings thus it made me realize that our mind could be our greatest enemy or it could be our greatest tool to achieve um, to achieve what we wish for it to achieve and you mean to manifest what we want in our lives? Perhaps. Um, definitely, that's what it is. And also to not only manifest, but also to, um, to maintain our vibrational frequency. That's the importance of it all in regards to the mind. And I, I started seeing things very, very differently. And before I even um, say something to someone, or even before I even release a thought, within my mind, I take a, a step backwards and I think to myself that that thought of mine really came from um, my true self and that is something that is very much interrelated to the universe and positivity itself. Or is it much more related to an, an egoistical notion of the human brain itself that thus it is very much um, for my own personal gain that I say such? So... 
um, you talk about energies um, that scatter our own energy field. You talk about this time as being uh, a time of great opportunity, but also great uh, potential for um, blocking our development. Where do you see humanity moving and what are the forces arrayed against it? I, I, I function on positivity. Thus, I see humanity um, moving towards positivity themselves, and thus is already evidence among um, among the statistical, uh, numerical, or rather statistical numbers of the current um, the current unexplainable um, situations that humanity are faced with in terms of their in terms of what we humans term as evolutionary understanding. There's much higher statistics of individuals experiencing things that they cannot explain through um, the physical means or even through science itself. And there are much more um, individuals um, also that are being born and that, that are not very much, um, that are very much, um, much more conscious within their energetics than their physical body. And such are um, individuals with, autism or even um, Asperger's or even mm-hmm. or even something as light as individuals feeling, uh, I mean, or having dyslexia, dyslexia in itself. And all of these are proof or evidence that in, these individuals have more consciousness within their energetic body and they're not, um, thus they do not have that much consciousness within their physical body. Because when it comes to physical body, it's all about, it's all about, our physical perceptions and sensations, it's only to this physical third dimensional world. Thus, I see humanity starting to question on what they're truly experiencing and moving in a positive light, move, uh, vibrating highly in a high vibrations united in, um, so you, in regaining their, what, what, what's right. truly theirs, the freedom. You, you seem to believe that um, emotions play a critical role here. What is the connection between emotions and our energy body? Well, I instead of emotions, I would coin it a slightly different. I would coin it as feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that the feelings is very, very much related to the energetic body. As you, as you already know, the mind itself is very much interrelated to our energetic body. And the feelings, um, as explained in the book, is very much related to the heart itself and it is this rhythmic vibrations between the two and the unity of the two itself that interconnects us to the universe and to togetherness itself Hmm, that's very nice um how can people actually um achieve multidimensional travel is it um a meditation is it there an, an exercise of the imagination um, that they repeat until they actually internalize it uh, what is the best way great or question. the key great question miriam the key to multidimensional traveling is very very simple in fact many people might be unsatisfied with my answers the first and foremost key is the realization of your energetic nature the realization that there are many other beings and many other existences besides this physical one. It is 
taking a step back from our egocentric, ego-centric point of view of um, physical living itself. That is the first and foremost and most crucial aspect in itself. And the second aspect of multidimensional traveling is in raising one's vibrational frequency. Now, this can come in many, many ways, but I stress that it must be achieved through natural means, such as meditations, such as being near water, such as doing activities that connect you to nature itself and not through artificial means. And that is through drugs or um, consuming a lot of alcohol or um, I'm very, very against ayahuasca and um, these artificial means of raising one vibrational frequency. Thus, it is through natural means or even even through being, being around the people that we love or the pets that we love raises up one's vibrational frequency. And the third thing is to have discipline. When you start disciplining your mind, when you start seeing everything in terms of its relationship to energetics and the, your own energetic vibrations, that is when you start paying attention, conscious attention to the thoughts that you have and the feelings that you have. Thus monitoring these things and achieving uh, what is coined or what is termed as a high vibrational state, which will in turn raise your consciousness that will enable you to eventually multidimensional travel. It's all about discipline and man- maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that once you get over that mental hump of understanding that you are a being of energy, then the implications are vast for the interconnectedness of all of humanity and the lack of importance of all of our superficial differences. Absolutely, beautifully put, and not even to humanity itself, but to our connections with all the different beings that exist within this universe or even many different universes within this um, wonderful existence. So, Kartika, uh, do you have a website that people could learn more about your work? Absolutely. It's www.dtogetherness.com. www.what? D-Togetherness. D? T-H-E. Togetherness. Oh, the, D-Togetherness. D-Togetherness.com. Right. Okay. And um, do you have a final message to leave with our listeners? Yes, absolutely. And the message is to look for the keys within themselves and to to start seeing things in terms of its interrelationship with the universe and its interrelationship to the aspect of togetherness itself. Hmm. The best of holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. 
Welcome to the gathering around my kitchen table on Equilarium FM, Wednesdays at 1pm Eastern Standard Time. Join my guests as we integrate spirituality into everyday reality with vibrant conversations, inspired interviews and my latest channeled guidance to inspire and brighten your day. I'm Claire Johnson and together we'll be raising vibrations across the nations. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. OM Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single OM Times endeavor. Host your show with OM Times Radio Network. Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. Hey ladies, do you want to have that good hair day feeling all the time? Gentlemen, would you want your special someone to have that glow, letting you know she is feeling completely satisfied? This feeling and that glow can be yours by embracing your sexual power. So join me, Rachel Kenley, award-winning romance author, on The O-Spot. The O-Spot will guide you to that peak with guest interviews, book discussions, and conversations on the thrills of sexual empowerment. Put the zing back in your life. Come up and see me sometime on the O Spot, live on Hump Day at 10 p.m. Eastern. The best of the holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Om Times Radio, IOM FM. And we're back with our final guest today, Kimberly Smythe. Kimberly is the author of a very poignant book called Letting Go Again, A Birth Mother's Tale of Adoption, Reunion, Separation, and Growth. Kimberly grew up as an Air Force brat and spent 26 years in Hawaii. That still holds a very special place in her heart. She has four grown children, three of whom call her mom. Kimberly lives in the Northwest with her husband and their dogs, and I am delighted to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you, Miriam. Nice to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to speak with you because your book is really, um, really tugs at the heartstrings. It's intensely personal. Tell us a bit about why you felt compelled to write it. Compelled is the right word. Um, you know, I'm a big journaler, and through this relationship, I had a, a I was struggling in understanding how I could connect to my daughter with my daughter. And um, through the years, um, I realized, gosh, I'm actually getting healthy here. I'm feeling better about this. I'm feeling stronger about um, myself. And so I thought, well, maybe I should look at. Um, at, at, at publishing, and and it's been an amazing experience for me to take that step. So it was actually the process of writing down your feelings, uh, presumably working through the, the layers of guilt that you had from the adoption that enabled you to come out the other side? Correct. Um, 
I was gonna, uh, always a person that kind of lived in my head, built my own stories. And um, I found that speaking my truth, finding my truth through words were so enlightening for me as a person and in my journey that um, I wanted to share the 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 um, outcome with other people, knowing that um, uh, it is possible to get through things you think are pretty much impossible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, what was the hardest thing for you in this? I think going back to the decisions I made as a young kid, um, a teenager, uh, was really difficult for me because uh, through life, I realized that um, the decisions I made were very unwise and they affected everyone around me that I knew and loved. And um, that was really hard. It was really, um, I think when you're young, uh, you, you're you just doing like what you need to do to survive, right? And you, you come across something. I came across uh, a journey that I was so ill-prepared for that, I built, like back, what I was saying is like a, the story I told myself was um, that this was my my responsibility, me being pregnant. I'm the one who, who made the choices that got me there. So um, I dealt with it by myself and I didn't share the story with anyone. And in fact, I made up a big old lie about how I became pregnant so that um, in my mind, my parents would continue to love me. Um, so it was a difficult thing to go back to that young kid, but it was a necessary step for me, something I didn't realize when I first met my daughter, that I needed to really go back and look at her real intentions and who she was as a person. Um, and it's been the best gift, gift I've given myself was to go back to that kid and say, you know what? I get it now, I and I forgive you. And um, her intentions were all good. Yes. Well, having been, uh, my uh, my sister in law has uh, three adopted children, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting to see how each of them, uh, when they found their birth parent, well, one of them didn't want to f- find uh, their birth mother at all. But the other two girls did, and there were very different stories, very different types of attachment. But we tend to forget that it's when we experience this from our own pain, from our own point of view, what the feelings on the other side are. And so you're actually having to work through two sets of pain as you come together. Is is that what your experience was as well? Um, two sets of, yes, absolutely. I mean, adoption is, is a tough one. Um, and it's one of the minor miracles of, of major miracles, actually, of writing this book and sharing it with all the people that were involved. It's been such an allowing and of communication that wasn't there before. And with my daughter and myself, um, I yeah, I think um, there's a lot of there's a lot of wounds that are hard to talk about with one another. You know, so it's, it's a very um, 
it's a very, it's like a minefield in a way. It's, um, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, I came into her life with my arms wide open saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of, I'm a kind of kooky person, but I'm kind of fun to be around and let's, 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 let's have a relationship. And, and, and she was curious to a certain extent. Um, but she had her mom and I don't think there was much room for me. So. And did that hurt you? (sighs) Of course. Um, and not being recognized for who I am, i.e. I, I feel I'm her mother. Um, and I understood it, but it's still difficult um, to rectify that and to be around um, your family who um, it was easier for her to connect on a, a family basis with them than it was for me, which was, I told myself I was, I was okay with it, but... Once again, when you're carrying around all these negativities from your past, you're carrying around shame and guilt and you don't think you're worthy and all those great things that we tend to do to ourselves, especially when we have wounds that are really big. Um, I, I took that as okay, right? Because uh, I didn't realize at the time that um, to to let go of those those things that were a barrier for me um, and speak my truth with her would have been really important when we were trying to have a relationship. At what point in your life did you decide to seek her out? Um, It was when she turned 18, actually. Um, I'd seen all the great stories on daytime TV. I would always go and watch the adoption stories because that was something that was definitely part of my life. And, um, you know, it's two minutes of, yay, isn't this great? And who knows what happened afterwards. But my intention at the beginning was for her to have an easy time finding me um, and to say, hey, this is how you find me. I'm totally up to meeting you. And that's all my I wanted for her to do, you know, just to, for her to know, yeah, I'm totally into seeing you. How did you actually make that apparent? Did you... Go to Facebook or adoption agency or what? Um, well, it was 95 at the time. So <laughs> there were very, you know, it's not like the, the Internet was an option for me. Um, I wrote to the states. Um, I wrote to the state asking for her um, information, and um, they forwarded a letter once they found her. So she was in college at the time, and she wrote me back. And all I really wanted to do, once again, was to say hello, make sure she was happy and healthy. And I thought that that would give me a little bit of solace in my life because, you know, good old news. They, they, you know, you, we can always count on news to give us all the, the bad stories, right? So there were stories about adoptive families that weren't healthy and happy. And um, so it, it bothered me. It, it wore on me. So I I thought, well, if I knew she was happy and healthy, I, I could get on with my life or I could accept whatever she wanted to to happen with between us. And um, as it turned out, she was <laughs> unha- unhealthy and later on very unhappy. So um, whereas my intention was to sit back and let her call the shots, I kind of jumped into her life because of that. Mm-hmm. What was the 
hardest part of the reunion? The actual reunion, um, I was really happy and healthy and hopeful because uh, her parents were there. They showed me old pictures. We had a nice conversation. Um, And like I said before, she was unhealthy and they had just found out what was going on with her. And and it seemed like it was all going to be good. And um, so... uh, I was very hopeful, and like you said before, I, I grew up in Hawaii where the idea of family was big. Um, you you had um, extended family, good friends were known as um, as family, and, and they were honored with the, the word hanai. Like to say someone was your hanai sister was really a special thing, and so I thought maybe something like that could happen between us. I could be kind of the Hanai mother or something to that extent. I think you also... need to explain the whole concept. That's mm. a Hawaiian concept, isn't it? It is. It's in old Hawaii. Um, it was not unusual for grandparents to raise their grandchildren. It was a way because there was no written language for them to pass on the traditions and the language to the young um, to perpetuate the culture. Um, so it was something that was a real, it, the thought around it was a, a lot of honoring and allowing. And there were also um, families who had large families would um, allow one of their children to grow up with a, um, a couple that couldn't have children. So it was all done with love and allowing. And I just love that feeling um, of, you know, just family is big mm-hmm. and, um so yeah, that's uh, that's where the Hanai comes from. That's something that we really have lost in Western culture: this sense of extended family and that uh, everyone is responsible for raising the children, and the children, you know, feel sort of enveloped by by this kind of group love. I would think. Oh my gosh, and it's so true. I grew up in the, a situation. My children that I raised also. Grew up with, you know, <laughs> everybody keeping an eye on your kids. And mm. it just seems like we've gotten away from that. And- well, we're going to have to take a- another break. Uh, but we will be back speaking with Kimberly Smythe about her book, Letting Go Again. Your conscious lifestyle on steroids. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Matt Connerton here. Join Jen Coffee and I twice a week for Matt Connerton Unleash, a political talk show that's a little different than what you're used to. No liberal or conservative agenda here, just an honest dialogue about truth and how things really work in the world of politics. Matt Connerton Unleash, every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Ohm Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Ohm Times endeavor. Host your show with Ohm Times Radio Network. 
The number one reason girls drop out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Hi, this is Sylvia Henderson, Intuitive Life Coach and Energy Healer. Are you ready to elevate and rise way above your normal? Be sure to listen to my show, Intuitive Transformations, on Own Times Radio, Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern. Get the inspiration you need to transform your life. A conscious lifestyle for a mindful life. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. And we are back with my guest, Kimberly Smythe, talking about letting go. Kimberly, we were talking before the break about the concept of Ohana, which sounds like such a wonderful uh, group love response to to raising children and to the whole notion of family. I'm curious as to what the reaction was of the adoptive family to your outreach. Um, I think at the beginning they were happy to introduce me to their daughter. Um, like I said before, um, she had actually had she was not healthy and she had left college. And, um, so there was no answers about why she had left college and I didn't know her story. And so that's kind of why I kind of barged into her life. I flew to her Island to where she was living and, um, said, please call me because she, there were no answers. And it was five, five months later. So when I met them, I think they were really relieved that they finally figured out what was going on with her and um, wanted me to know, right? So um, I think I think it was it was I don't know. It, it, you know, it's hard to know what people's intentions are. I think um, she wanted to meet me, and there was an allowing there between them and um, me. Um, but overall, I'm not sure. Her mom passed away six months or nine months later. Mm-hmm. And I think when her mom passed, I really realized this is going to be a hard one because um, I think with her mom's blessings, it was I was more hopeful, if that makes sense. So Sure. Um, Were you married at the time? Did you have your own children? I did. I, I have a wonderful husband. Um, and three great kids, and um, you know, it's, that was kind of a tough thing for me to um, have this kind of story in my past that I had to come to deal with um, when I told everyone about, you know, what I did and and their reactions, and it's it's tough as a birth mother, and I think it's why a lot of us don't want our stories to be known because in my world the best thing I'd ever done was be a mother and I have great kids. And to say that I made a choice that was so incongruent with that in most people's eyes, um, was a tough one. It was really tough. Um, 
But do when you think, I, do you when think I that realized, having given the uh, your, your child for adoption made you a more intense or, or a better mother in, in a strange sense to your three, the other three? You know, I think this is going to sound interesting maybe, but because when I um, first went to, to meet her, I thought, I thought I was a pretty together person. I was happy. I was healthy. I was, you know, I had these three great kids and I thought it was going to be, you know, okay to open my life. But like I said before, what I found was that I still was holding on to a lot of regrets and, and, um, pain around, um, my, my decision as a young kid. And so what I found, because I didn't really have a good foundation, I didn't really come to terms with what that young kid had decided to do. Um, I, it kind of, it took away a little bit of my power as a mother, as you know, I, I just, it was hard for me to, uh, feel, as um, mindful, I think, uh, as a mother, that I, I, I felt like I lost something um, because I kind of let my past influence my present there. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, it kind of put a wobble there that wasn't there before. My telling my kids and, and going through this, this process of, you know, inviting my daughter in and having it not work out. And, and, and that process was, um, kind of really stripped me down to the bare <laughs> minimums. And, and I really had to do a lot of work about how to rebuild myself from that. Um, so it was, it was a difficult journey. Was there one sort of key insight that you got during all of this internal work that you found the most helpful? Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing that I, I, I went to a, a beautiful spiritual counselor and she kept telling me, you have to go back and forgive that kid. And I, I remember saying, yeah, but I just. That kid being your 16 year old. Yeah, son. exactly. And, and she was so right because when I, when I finally realized I need to go back and look at that kid and the decision she made, she never intended to hurt anyone but herself. She didn't have any tools to become a mother and she knew it. And she decided the best thing for her child was for her to grow up and be loved by grownups. And that's a hard decision to make. And I made it as a very young kid. So it's it's been quite a journey for me to go back to her and say, wow, you know, you could have been a lot, you could have made it a lot better for yourself and for all those around you. But the, the real truth about what you did was you loved your kid and you did the best you knew how by her. And so I, I celebrate her now. I, I look at her with different eyes and I see the strength and the, the pain that she went through. So it's been a great journey for me. It's been so, um, 
I allowed the other, what other people's opinions and, and thoughts, you know, whether they were there or they were just my making, right? So, um, it, they ruled my life for a really long time, but to, to get to the place of freedom where you just like, okay, really truly, she loved her child. She, as her mother, this child's mother, did the best she knew how. And I made the right decision. I really believe that because I was ill-equipped to be a mother at that time, and I knew it. You know, this is a lesson that extends far beyond the situation that you describe. Because as human beings, we always do the best that we can in the situation that we're at in the moment and with the life circumstances that surround us. We don't intentionally set out to do wrong. We try to to make the best choice for us at the time. The problem is that sometimes our perspective is narrow. Sometimes we have poor information. So the important takeaway that I take from your story is reinforcement of of being kind to yourself, forgiving yourself, because you did the best you could at the time with what you knew at the time. So, you know, take that message on board. And thank you, Kimberly, for, you know, really stepping out and and bringing that across because it's such a beautiful story. Really, in the end, how how did uh, your family eventually come out the other side? My um, the my family your, as a whole. Or, yes, uh-huh. your, your you know, husband, um, your kids. Writing about your story involves all the, the people around you, right? So I think there. It's been interesting. It's been ultimately such an allowing for communication that wasn't there before. And on both sides of the family, I still know the natural father's um, family and and gave them all the book. And so there's been a big healing all over the place. And it's it's been such a lighting, lightning of my life um, around this story. And, you know, my daughter and I are not currently um, in relationship with each other. But there have been so many other things that have happened from this and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for people like you who want to talk about it because it's, it's a tough thing to talk about for a lot of people. And um, I think it's time for us to stop running away from those conversations. So I really applaud you for, for opening up your, your, your show to me. And I really do appreciate it. And I think everybody, like you said, there's different ways of, having trauma in your life and coming to terms with it. And um, I really strongly um, encourage people to find your voice in your life and just tell your story from your heart. Mm. What would you say that if you could go back and change anything or any part of your journey, you know, having, having the, this 360 degree perspective, Mm. is there anything you would have done differently? Gosh, regrets. I've lived with them for a really, really, really long time. (laughs) And there's just no way of going back. And, you know, there were so many wish it shoulda, coulda, woulda. And I've learned that it was all as it should have been. Like you said before, 
I did the best I knew how at the time. And all we have is, is our responsibility to grow as people. And that's what I've taken on. It's like, how do I be my best self? And that mean, that meant for me is to let go all the negatives that I thought were myself and were not. Um, so I, yeah, I, yeah, it's yeah. There are so many places <laughs> right. I could have done things a lot better, but <laughs> it's just the way it was. Yeah, well, I've learned to embrace it because that's all I have. <laughs> absolutely. So, if anybody wanted to to share their story with you or to connect with you, where would they go? I have email. It's info dot letting go again at gmail dot com. And I also have my website, lettinggoagain.com. Apps, there we go. Do you have any sort of uh, contact uh, form on your website? So if I do, yeah. Great. Well, you certainly have a message for everybody. So thank you, Kimberly Smythe, author thank of you. Letting Go Again. Thanks, Miriam. Thank you. And I hope you'll join us next week with more new rising stars. In the meantime, please visit my website, ncreview.com, for New Consciousness Review, a website and magazine where we review many of the books and films contributing to the global shift in consciousness. Thank you for listening, and go out there and shine, because you are all rising stars.